Hey everybody, welcome to episode 35 of the Pop Anime Comics Lounge. I am coming straight off of Big AppleCon and I had a phenomenal time at that convention. And my guest today is a very special guest. He's an award-winning cosplayer who has appeared on Marvel's cosplay variants as the character Nova. And he's none other than Cap Santiago. So without further ado, we're going to dive right into this interview and I hope you all enjoy. So as a cosplayer, you have done characters from anime, comics, and video games. How were you first introduced to these different mediums? My father. He was a huge comic book collector. Around 10 years old, I noticed he was getting into anime. And back in those days, we had this video shop where you can rent movies and stuff. And they had a section of just anime. And we used to go there with him every weekend, me and my brother. And we would pick out stuff like um, Dragon Ball Z, 3 by 3 Eyes, Giver, like the OVA Giver. We used to have to wait, like, I think every month for the new episode to come out because it was translated by a third party for America. So we had to wait a while. But this was back in the day when anime was still taboo. But comics, anime, back in those days, movies weren't that big. But Saturday morning cartoons, of course, he would have breakfast with us and we would all watch Saturday morning cartoons, Fantastic Four, The X-Men, and whatnot. So how did anime, comics, and video games help you discover cosplay? That wasn't until much later on. I think it was when I started watching anime. And I didn't really know what cosplay was, but, you know, when I would go to, like, the comic conventions with my father, I would see, like, that one guy dressed like Spider-Man or Batman, and, you know, I thought it was really, really cool. And I thought, wouldn't it be cool if they had a venue of, like, with the comic books and stuff, and they had characters from anime dressed like that? I thought that would be cool. So I went to my first anime convention was Bath. And this was a long time ago. And I think that was the first ever anime convention in New York City. And it was at the Marriott Hotel in Midtown. And I remember going there and it was just amazing. Seeing all these people talk about their favorite animes and the screening rooms. That's how I found out new stuff like uh, Tenchi Muyo and stuff like that. And then, of course, you know, merchandise. But it wasn't until after that, the next time around I went to a con, I wanted to dress up too. So at the time I was watching Yu Yu Hagasho and I was inspired by that anime and I thought Hiei was the coolest character on that show. And I said I would love to just do that and just go to a, a, an anime convention. Granted, you will never find pictures of me as Hiei because of course this was like my second second go round doing the con thing. So I was unaware of people asking for pictures or anything like that. I just went and I just did it and I thought I would just run into other people. Into the same thing I'm into, we would just talk and whatever and play sword fight. But it was fun to do that and around that time when anime was just still kind of taboo and it was just fun to just learn about all these new shows and, and characters and just to become immersed in it and with your Hiei costume did you make that costume yourself yeah i went to a thrift store and i brought a dress a black dress and i brought a pair of pointy black boots luckily they fit me and the dress fit me fine and i just cut off a white t-shirt to make the top and i just used spare fabric i had left from that shirt to just make the headband and that was the most simplest thing i could have ever done i tried using hair glue to get my hair to stand up but 
but then the heat kind of like made all my points kind of come back down again. So I just made do with what I could. I didn't know about wigs. I didn't know to style a wig or anything. I just would use my own hair and try to do it the, the same way. <laughs> Good times. And as a cosplayer, what determines what you're going to cosplay? How much I like the character, how much he inspires me, how cool they are. A good example is Ares. Ares, God of War from Marvel Comics. He's a very obscure character. Not many people really do that character as far as cosplay goes. And I just remember reading every issue of Avengers Assemble and Dark Avengers and everything that came out of his mouth was just like, holy sh! wow, this guy is like so cool. And he's just, he's the God of War. Like, who are you to tell him what to do? He's going to go and he's just going to do what he's got to do. And he was just so cool. And, and I remember reading his parts in the comics and my hairs would stand. And it's stuff like that helps me determine like, yeah, I want to embody that character. And when you create a costume and a cosplay, do you sketch it out first before you start building the cosplay? Yeah, pretty much. It depends on how abstract the suit is. So I'll have to determine, okay, this can't be done. The way it's drawn in the comic, it looks like, yeah, it's possible. But in real life, certain things on the costume cannot be done. So you got to figure out how can I make myself functional walking in this when in the comic, he makes it look easy, but in real life, it cannot be done. So preliminary stages of this, I figure that out and I just, you know, doodle and, and sketch and it'll just hit me like, okay, this will work. This will actually work. And I just stick with that. And also in the preliminary stages, how do you balance your economics with a costume? Usually I have money saved up and depending on the materials at my disposal, I'll kind of figure out, okay, I can do this or if I can't do it, I'll just wait till I get the money and then I'll go ahead and do it. Now, sometimes there's a situation where like certain kind of uh, fabric I can't buy because it's like really expensive, like let's say vinyl or something like that. I will probably have to substitute. So I just try to find the next closest material to it and I'll probably go with that. Give or take, if I give myself a few days, I'll determine if I want to go with plan B or if I want to stick with plan A and just wait it out until I get what I need to be able to buy whatever it is I'm buying to make the costume. So I don't really do add and subtract. I just keep life situations in one account and all my other uh, hobbies and crazy creative stuff account. And are there any other challenges besides economics and what can't be done versus what can be done when creating a costume and a cosplay? It depends on the character. I've never really come to a situation like that. Not yet, thank God. You see, I wish I had like all my costumes and mannequins right now and I can just look at each one and say, oh yeah, you, you were a hard time. I would say not much of a hard time, but I would say where I wore something and after I've seen it in pictures, yeah, I can do better than that. I didn't like the way this look. I didn't like the way that look. I can do better than that. An example again would be Ares. He's a good example for a lot of things, it seems like. I made three different helmets to do Ares. The first helmet was a Greek Roman replica helmet I brought on eBay and I just modded it, painted it. And then I brought two other helmets that had an exact white plume. And I removed the plume on both those helmets and used glue and made my own plume out of both of them. So I did Ares. I saw that, I was like, I could do better. I did better. I started at that time discovering backforming and other materials uh, such as Kydex, which 
I tend to use a lot now. And uh, I made my second helmet. It looked great. It felt great. But in pictures, I didn't like it either. The third helmet, I got it right. And that's the helmet that you see in most of my pictures these days. And I'm pretty damn proud of that helmet. Took three tries. So to talk a little bit about your anime cosplays, as you mentioned Hiei, what really gravitated you towards Hiei as a character? Much like Vegeta, he's this guy that just has like cool powers and he's dark, kind of mysterious. He's not like the main character, but he obviously plays second fiddle to the main character, but it's always like that second person that's always like the coolest, like you want to know more about or, you know, when you're playing a video game, like you just want to be that character. And that's how Hiei was to me. I just thought he was really freaking cool. And I always thought he was stronger than Yusuke. So Hiei was just a really cool character. And obviously Hiei is a small individual in the anime. So how do you feel about people who cosplay outside of a character's size? Me personally, I just say each to his own. Because at the end of the day, it's going to happen. And that's how it's going to be. And that's how it's supposed to be. When I did Hiei. I wasn't the smallest guy, but I was kind of scrawny anyway. But I saw other people there dressed as from Oh My Goddess, and they were not the same size as the characters in that particular anime. But they rocked it, and they were confident and sociable. And when I was starting, I was actually looking up to that, and that's really cool. And I remember talking to a few of these people too, and it wasn't even like something I even thought about. It was just like talking about our interests and whatnot. But at the end of the day, like I said, you're gonna do what you want, and you should. I mean, if you love this character so much, I mean, hell, go ahead. Do it, man. And after your cosplay with Hiei, you cosplayed a character from Ultimate Muscle. How did you come up with this character? I was watching Saturday morning cartoons on Fox. And at that time, I was huge into wrestling. So it was cool seeing a cartoon, like, from the throwback, Hulk Hogan's WrestleManiacs, I think it was. God, so long ago. But Hulk Hogan, when he had his own cartoon with all the WWF stars, it was like paying homage to that. But it was just an anime. And I thought it was so cool. And I would get up every morning to make sure I would see that show every day. And watching episode after episode, I just began to get inspired. And as soon as you know it, I was Kanikoma Nisei. And how did you go about creating this costume? That was me and my father's first costume, actually. My father, he used to wrestle long, long, long time ago. And he was into Lucha Libre, which is the Mexican wrestling. And he taught me how to make my first mask. And it was so cool just going through the process and how we did everything. And it was very simple. And uh, my mother and my grandmother, they both taught me how to sew. So my mom actually helped me with my bodysuit. And she kind of gave me some tidbits from before she taught me how to sew what to actually do. Because when I was about... 11 or 12, my grandmother used to tell me, you're going to iron your own clothes, start making your own breakfast, you're going to start sewing your own holes in your clothes, because you're not going to go to school with holes, and I'm going to teach you how to do it because you're old enough and you need to learn how to do it. So that's how all that came about. And my mother, she taught me a little bit more advanced techniques, I guess you can call it, and that was pretty much it. But I was so excited to learn to make my first mask, and my dad was teaching, and that was just the coolest thing. And how did you go about being developed? 
diversified as a cosplayer, costume maker? I would say every character I've done, for me personally, I like to match the character. So besides just being inspired and liking the character and who he is, I guess I've just been lucky to where I've just kind of matched the character, per se. Sometimes I'm wearing a mask anyway, so it's not like you can really tell who I am under the mask and it would really matter to people. I will say, though, the funniest thing I just kind of realized in this now, again, I did Bearded Ryu from the new Street Fighter 4. And of course, Ryu is Japanese, but in the game, he doesn't really look Japanese. He looks kind of American. So I already had the beard. I was already in the shape I was in. All I did was just mess up some karate gi and got everything on. And I pretty much looked like how he looks in the game, just not Japanese. I think that's probably the most diversified character I've ever been where I'm Hispanic and Hot Ryu or Sexy Ryu, I don't know what people call him, either or. He's Japanese. But I usually wear a mask as most of my characters, so it's not like you can really tell if I'm black or white or if I'm supposed to be, if I got the mask on. And how did your two anime costumes prepare you for your next set of costumes that you have done? As far as making masks, that prepared me for El Blaze and El Fuerte. With what my mom taught me, I was already ready to start those two next costumes. But with the experience, you tend to get more confident and broaden your horizons a little more as far as what characters you like or what you want to do. And you're not afraid to take that step. But definitely learning how to make masks helped me with my next two. So now in 2008, you switched over from anime cosplay to comic book themed cosplay. Why did you switch over? It just kind of happened where around that time, I suffered a loss. My father passed away. And I remember the last set of comics that he had, he never read. And I had his work bag and I was going through it. And I found this bag he had from Midtown Comics. And it was the last set of comics he ever had. And I was just looking through it. And granted, at that time, I wasn't really into comics. So, you know, I was just looking at some of his stuff. And I remember looking at an issue of Captain America. It was after Captain America died and Bucky took over as Captain America. And every Wednesday when I used to see my dad after work, he would talk to me about what he read. And that's how I kind of knew what was going on with comics was through him, not me having my own comics or anything like that. So I just decided out of the blue to just start reading it. So I read that issue in particular that he had that he that he never read and I started backtracking. So I went back further and further to where a uh, civil war ended and Captain America died and then Bucky took over and then I just progressed from there. And I was actually intrigued by the story and not just by the character, but by my father too. And every year, when it used to be Big Apple Con or whatever other con it was, when it was a comic book related con, I always go with my dad. Before New York Comic Con, when I debuted this costume, it would have been the first time that I went to a con without my father. So a part of me felt like the suit was an extension of him being with me. It was kind of a comfort level, despite the fact that it's spandex and no one's really comfortable in spandex, but it was just an extension of him kind of being with me and kind of giving me strength in a way to do my own thing by myself. So in reality, the inspiration for Bucky Captain America was my father. And with this cosplay, you won a few awards. 
can you go into how awards are given out for cosplay and what circumstances they're given out for? Every judge is different as far as I've experienced. Some judges will judge you on performance. Some judges will just solely judge you on craftsmanship. And I've experienced when there's been celebrity judges they'll just judge you if you just look really cool. So each judge is different. There's really no set way I feel that they judge you. I feel like everyone judges in a different manner. And what were some of the awards that you have won with this costume? I'm actually looking at my wall now. <laughs> I won the Marvel costume contest in 2008 at New York Comic Con. There was another costume contest from Marvel actually, where they were debuting their first ever motion comic with X-Men in Union Square. I don't really know what name to call it, but I won that costume contest. And actually winning that costume contest, I got featured in a Marvel comic in my own one page where they interviewed me and everything. And given that this costume is emotional to you and has so much significance to you, how do you feel that you won an award and that it's recognized by so many people that you don't even know? I've never really thought about it like that. I'm just a guy that told his story and what happened happened. I feel honored. And if, if in some way my story helped other people, I'm even more honored. And I would have liked to have, have heard everyone else's story, you know, in conjunction with mine. And even if it helps each other out. But I've never really thought about it like that. And you also have cosplayed as Superior Spider-Man. How did this costume come yes. out and what inspired yes, it? Yes, yes. <laughs> oh my god, I freaking loved Superior Spider-Man. I just hate anything Peter Parker, anything Peter Parker, I hate Peter Parker. When Doc Ock took over Peter Parker's body, I was like, genius, genius. Genius, yes. This is the Spider-Man we deserve. It was just so cool. And again, just like with Ares, God of War, everything Doc Ock did was like, thank you, thank you, because this is what Peter needs to be doing. He needs to be more superior. It was just awe-inspiring just to read Superior Spider-Man and how Doc Ock, I feel, was the ultimate Spider-Man. Now, granted, I've never done a Spider-Man costume before. So when I did Superior 1.0, it was an interesting challenge, very interesting challenge. Now, granted, I've had experience making bodysuits, which wasn't really too much of the problem. Now, what the cool kids quote unquote do these days is they do sub-dye suits. And I didn't want to do a sub-dye suit. Everybody does sub-dye suits. Everybody does Spider-Man sub-dye suits. I wanted to be different. I wanted to think outside the box, do what I do, and make it my own. So after I did the pattern and I made my bodysuit, I had two friends of mine draw the lines on me as I wore the suit with an invisible marker and then with a Sharpie of all things. So with the invisible marker, they drew the lines first and if something didn't look right, you can just put warm water and it'll just wipe right off like an eraser, no big deal. And then, you know, just go over the line again. So the most challenging part was the mask. When I put the mask on, I caught myself like maybe twice falling asleep. So I had to lean my head on the back of the chair while they were drawing the lines for the webbing on my face. And that's how I did my Superior Spider-Man suit. And even 2.0 is pretty much the same thing I had to do too for that. So I don't know, I mean, maybe I kind of did it as backwards, but it was still my way. I just didn't want to do a sub dice suit and be like everybody else. I had to be Cap, and I had to do it the way that I do it. 
And when you went to go cosplay this in New York Comic Con, you were in a Spider-Man family type group. How did that come about? That was Spider-Verse. Spider-Verse, I thought it was a really, really great story Dan Slott did. And it was my second group that I've ever put together. And I wanted to be able to say that I put something so grand together and everybody would talk about it. As much as I did, reading Spider-Verse and whatnot. So I assembled a great team of people, all inspired by Spider-Man as well and each of us were a different spider so when you go on stage you just see all these different colors of spider-man and it was just so great to just see it in pictures and to see this thing that i put together this thing that inspired others that inspired me too myself just to see it on a picture or on a website somewhere it was just amazing to see but i had people from all corners of the freaking states to help me put this team together and and the really cool part is how everyone became friends afterwards. Some of the people didn't know each other. So afterwards, everybody already knew each other. So we kind of create our own web of destiny or web of fate. And with this group, you met Dan Slott and you were on a panel with him. What was that like? That was great. When I first put the group together, I felt that one of the goals was to get a picture with Dan Slott. And it happened, all thanks to a friend of mine, Bill Higa. He actually helped me get Dan Slott to get a picture with us and get us in the panel. So we all had like this little section for us and afterwards we had our picture with him. Now, the coolest part was when I did Spider-Verse 2, which was in Chicago, and we actually recreated The Last Supper with Dan Slott as Judas, because of course, you know, he killed Spider-Man, so he has to be Judas. That, to me, was the ultimate. I can die happy. Go ahead, shoot me. All right, that was it. I was like, yes, Spider-Verse can be put to a close. I can retire Spider-Verse. I died happy. I did it. He's a great guy. Great, humble, amazing. Now, we could talk about many of your most recent cosplays, but there are two different Novas that you have done. How are you drawn to cosplay Nova? Annihilation. I read Annihilation, and I was just like, Wow, Richard Ryder. Richard freaking Ryder. Now, we'll we'll take a step back from that because I remember when Ben Riley, Scarlet Spider, was part of the New Warriors. So that's when I started reading New Warriors. And I knew who Nova was. Now we're gonna fast forward again. I remember seeing Nova in Secret Avengers. And I was like, wow, that is a really cool suit. And it looked totally different from the Nova that I knew when I was reading New Warriors. So I backtracked and I found found out about Annihilation, which was like the huge storyline of Marvel Cosmic, and it was freaking great. The relationship between him and Gamora, how he uh, got the Nova Force, and the responsibility that comes with it. I was just amazed by that story, and Richard Ryder, seeing as how Richard Ryder is also a New Yorker just like me, and I just said I have to be Nova Prime. I think I've seen pictures of maybe one or two other people that have done it. So I kind of used the outfits that they made as an idea of what I wanted to do. And it's the result that you see today with Nova Prime Richard Ryder. And now your cosplay as Nova has led you to appear with several other cosplayers on the cover of Marvel variant comics. Yeah. How did this opportunity come about? I just heaved the call from uh, Marvel's photographer, Judy Steffens. She reached out to me and she told me about this idea that Marvel wants to do cosplay variant covers. And she honored me with being the cover for Nova One. And I was just blown away by that. And what did the shooting, the cover entail? It was just several poses. And from there, the suits 
at Marvel will determine what they feel is good for the cover that they want to put out. The thing is, I know all there is to know about Nova. So after I did the initial poses, I offered to her if she wanted to do other poses that I had in mind. And we did all those poses and I felt confident with uh, the photos that we've taken. And I feel like it's important as a cosplayer that when you take photos after you've seen them, you should feel confident in your ability of the photos you've taken and know like, yeah, I did my best. This is good. Let's keep it moving. And how do you feel that as a cosplayer appearing on the cover of a Marvel variant has elevated you? You know, like how little girls dream about their dream wedding is <laughs> pretty much the same thing. <laughs> you know, like, I want to wear this dress and I want my man to look like this and look like this. It's funny because I remember when I first appeared in a Marvel comic. That one page that they did of me. After that, like several times, I've actually had thoughts or dreams like, you know, wow, wouldn't that be cool to just be on the cover? Yeah, that'd be really cool. I don't, that's out of my league. That'll never happen. And then I get an email about the covers. I'm like, wow, okay, that just happened. I didn't even have to buy a wedding magazine with dresses to pick out. No, I was all right. And do you feel that Marvel having cosplayers on their cover bridges a world between comics and cosplayers? I feel like with all the TV shows and the movies uh, Marvel's doing too, depending on what they are doing, maybe a particular design that cosplayer uses might be inspiration that they use for their next Netflix series or the next movie that they put out. But also, I feel it, it brings together the people in general because when you look at a Marvel comic, you're looking at art and you're looking at a character that is not real. So with the cosplayers bridging that gap, and people knowing us as real people, I think it just kind of brings it all together. And now, outside of the superhero realm, and we spoke about this cosplay at the top of this podcast, Ares, God of War. What inspired you to make this costume? Yes, yes. Have that thing! I'm sorry, I just like randomly saying that. I've been a huge Greek mythology buff, and I love history, and I love all sorts of history. Not just American history, but Greek, Roman history, the arenas. I've always been a huge fan of that stuff. You can even date that all the way back to wrestling, like how wrestling started. It was just his demeanor and the way he carried himself. You know, he did what had to be done. Well, the first coolest panel that I remember seeing Ares doing, it was Avengers Assemble. It was after Civil War, Iron Man's version of, of Avengers. And he recruited, Iron Man recruited Ares into the group. And I remember they were fighting female Ultron and they had to go inside female Ultron, no pun intended, to put a device to remove the virus and Ares was in this little ship with two other characters I don't remember who I think Spider-Woman was one of them and someone else and he's driving this ship inside Ultron to destroy her and he's just riding it and he tells the girls I think you guys should get out they get out and he just crashes the thing inside and he's just like bam 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 and just attacking everything it was just so cool just to see him act the way like a god of war would act so this costume is very detailed. How'd you go about creating every little intricate detail on this costume? Well, this is a little tidbit I have for other cosplayers. Now, granted, there's always like several different artists that draw a character differently. So when you research your characters, try to look for the most basic element that each artist has of that character that is the same and use that to do your costume. If you want to be comic book accurate, 
accurate, I'll say. If you want to be that accurate, take each element from every artist that is the same in that character and use that as your base for your reference. And that's kind of like what I did with Ares. At first, my final version of Ares, I based it off of the last appearance that he made when Sentry killed him. That was more the style I went with that, which I liked more because it was realistic. And that's another thing too. You don't want to be comic accurate, but if you want to be more realistic, you know, think of the approach of how if you were to wear this in the street, would people laugh at you or would you want them fearing you? So that's another element to think about if you want to go with a more realistic route for a character than for a more comic accurate character. Like I said before, the helmet took me about three tries to get it right but it was worth it i used for the plume this time i used this fiber that you know you see a lot in the parades and the hats that they wear and they tend to be kind of flimsy i don't really know the exact name for it but i came across it and i used that for the plume i used the same back form technique that i used to make the helmet except i just kind of made it a smaller size so that it would fit as close as possible to my face so it would actually look like a helmet and not just a big helmet and i had a little head kind of look now the detail in the leather armor the leather the leather chest piece i just basically cut out the design on paper we have a, a leather shop here in new york so i just basically cut the pattern out from the leather that i brought and i use a special kind of uh, leather glue to piece it all together on a big piece of leather that i've already had cut to put it together and the rest is just rivets holding it in place. Now this costume draws a boatload of attention at cons. How do you deal with that? I just go with the flow. Sometimes I like to make jokes about people bringing me virgins for sacrifice and stuff like that. I think too also the beard helps. I've done several versions of Ares where I've had a trimmed beard or I just let the beard grow for a couple of months. But I think that also tends to help with the appearance. I've often said that for guys, a beard is like how for women, it's a pair of boobs that gets them attention. And this costume has afforded you an opportunity to appear in men versus cosplay calendar how did this come about i met annabelle annabelle martinez is actually the person that runs men versus cosplay i met her at phoenix comic-con several years ago and the idea came up about a calendar but for guys because when you see a calendar it's you know pinups of females and whatnot at the con scene that you tend to find so i felt that her idea was just so groundbreaking that it inspired me to just want to be a part of it Regardless if it was a failure or the laughing stock of the community, I didn't care. I want to be a part of something that I felt was inspirational and just powerful. And she made me feel like that. And I was just first on board. And with all your experience cosplaying as anime, video games, and comic characters, what advice do you have for people who want to cosplay and create their own costumes, cosplay, and build their own props? I would say start simple at first. Because as far as cosplaying goes, it doesn't just start with the costume. It starts with your comfort level around people and around the con itself. Because depending on the con you go to, it can be really packed. It can be really small. You might feel comfortable with more smaller cons. So I would just get a feel for the environment first. Start with a simple costume, maybe something casual so you can get the hang of it, get the feel of how things are. As far as upgrading your skill level, it depends on who you know in your area 
but me personally i feel that it's always good to have face to face if you know somebody in the community that has the time to help you if they do that's great because you can just learn from them whatever you know they're willing to teach you but there's also tons and tons and tons of tutorials online that you can find some of them are pretty simple some of them are challenging but if you tend to follow the steps, you'll be all right. More importantly, whatever character you want to do, just do it. Because whether you're a Black Panther, but you're white, you probably might be the best Black Panther ever. So I say freaking go for it. And then finally, do you have anything you'd like to promote? Uh, your comic, website, Facebook, Twitter, convention lists, prints, store that you might have, website? It's funny because I was talking with someone about print stuff the other day. And I remember telling them that I thought it was just a thing that females do because that's all i really see do prints as females like maybe one or two guys i've seen do it but i just kind of felt like it was more of a female thing maybe someday i will venture into that mysterious avenue of cosplay with prince i don't know yet but we'll see about that but definitely look out for the uh 365 day calendar for men versus cosplay which uh should be on sale soon and you can get that calendar at men versus cosplay.com as far as cons i tend to kind of go with the flow as of now i haven't been really good at planning what cons i want to do lately but if you go to my fan page you just look up cap santiago c-a-p space santiago s-a-n-t-i-a-g-o i will definitely update you on anything and everything even if it's the toilet if i'm going to the toilet you will know i'm going to no not really i will be sure to put out that information there also i'm on instagram at cap underscore santiago same thing as i spelled it first i'm not going to spell it again but i'm there on instagram and i just recently got on twitter believe it or not i'm no longer a caveman i'm actually on twitter too which is interesting because i never said i would be on it you can find me on twitter at cap underscore santiago underscore thank you so much for listening to this week's podcast and as always subscribe to this podcast either on itunes soundcloud or Stitcher Radio, or wherever else you listen to your podcasts, so it finds you and you don't find it. And please check us out on popanimecomics.com, and follow us on Twitter at popanimecomics. Until next week, everybody, have a wonderful week.